Have your Bible this morning. Open it up to the book of Philippians, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let me read to you once again, beginning in verse 10, and read down through verse 20. The Apostle Paul writes by the Spirit of God, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am supplied, amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brother, have you ever tried to share something with someone or explain something to someone? And as you were doing it, having to, throughout the conversation, come back and qualify yourself so that the person or the persons listening to your conversation or what it is that you're sharing, that they're not getting the, the wrong idea? Well, that's what we have here in this passage with the Apostle Paul. His main thrust of the message he's sharing with this church at Philippi is his thankfulness to them for the gift that they had sent to him through one of their own messengers, one of their own members, Epaphroditus. But as he's sharing this message of thanks to them, He's also wanting to teach them some principles and some lessons about giving and receiving. And as he's doing that, he's wanting to make sure that they're not getting the wrong idea. So on occasion, as he's walking through this thankful note to them, he qualifies some of his comments. Because he doesn't want to give them the impression that he was not satisfied with them, and he doesn't, definitely doesn't want to give them the impression that he is trying to manipulate them or to milk more money from them. And I can tell you as a pastor, there, there are times when, especially when you're going to talk about the subject of money, if you're going to talk about the subject of, of giving and giving in the church, or even as God's Word speaks about taking care of the ministers of the gospel, that as we do that, at times we want to qualify what it is that we are saying so as not to give the wrong impression. This is what Paul is doing here. And so 
I want us to learn from Paul here. Really, Paul here will teach us even how to talk about money, talk about giving in the church. As he qualifies himself and as he's sharing his thankfulness to them. And really, as he does this, this also will serve as a protection for you. To protect you from these false prophets, these false teachers. These men that you see, and even sometimes women that you see, especially on television, that are fake and phony, that are really about money. Always seeking after money. As Paul has shared here that we just read a moment ago, his thankfulness to them. He is thankful for how they have given to him, how they have supported him. But he wants to make sure that they know he doesn't want more from them. He's not trying to get them to go take up another offering and send it to him. And he does that in three ways. And I want to kind of walk through this passage again, but I want to walk through it from the end of it to the beginning. One of the ways he wants to share with them is he speaks to them about giving. To let them know he's not trying to get more money from them is by what he says there in verse 18, where he lets them know that he is fully supplied with all that he needs that he doesn't need anything else from them. Notice again in verse 18, he says, but I have received everything in full. That is, your payment from Epaphroditus that he delivered on your behalf, the receipt is coming back to you. It is paid in full, but not just paid in full. He says, I now have more than what I need. I have an abundance I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. So Paul wants to make it very clear to them that the financial gift that he sent to them was more than enough. It was very generous, very gracious, very kind. He lacks nothing. He wants nothing from them. There's nothing else that they need to send. There's nothing else that they need to do. Again, beloved, this is a good example for you to remember. If ever you get caught up listening sometimes to these guys on television, you will find out that hardly any of them are going to ever say, I have enough. You don't need to send me another offering. You don't need to send me another seed offering. You'll hear them constantly saying, you need to send more, you need to send more, you need to send more. But Paul here is letting them know that he doesn't need any more from them. And may I just say on a personal note to you as a, as a church, as a congregation, a special thank you to you as, as well. I thank you for the home that you have provided for us. All the work I know that went into the home before we arrived here and, and the resources that you poured into that home. And, and I can't thank you enough for that. And even for just for the very financial package that you have provided for me that ministers to my life and ministers to the life of, of my family. But even beyond that, the kind words, the food, the cards, 
that are not only for me, but for my family. Though I must say, some of the food that you drop off at the house seems to be mostly gone by the time I get home. I'm not going to name names of who that may be, but they're in this congregation. They live in my home. But you have more than supplied for my need. So as I speak to you about giving in the church, it is, it is not from any position of, of lacking or wanting. But also, as the Apostle Paul does here, as he has spoken to them and he's writing to them again about their giving to him, he also wants them to know that he is actually genuinely seeking what is best for them. The gift is not about him, and the gift that they've sent is not even about the gift. It's about what is best for them. Notice what he says there back in verse 17, where he says, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. He says, It's not about the gift. It's it's about your faithful, sacrificial giving to the Word of God, to the work of God, to to the men of God, and what it actually did and does for you. You see, Paul is reminding them that his relationship with them is not centered on their financial giving to him. His relationship with them and their relationship with Paul centers on the gospel and it centers on their growth and growing in Christ-likeness and their knowing Jesus more and their growing to be more like Christ. So when Paul says there in verse 17, not that I seek the gift itself, but what I'm seeking is for the prophet. That word there for prophet is an agricultural term that was used to speak of of the fruit that would come from a harvest. He's saying, I'm thinking about the harvest that's going to come to you, to your account. And he's not primarily there talking about their financial account, their bank account. He's talking about their spiritual account with God. Paul is aware of what Jesus taught. In fact, he he quotes from the Lord over in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 where he says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Or as he speaks about giving over in the book of 2 Corinthians, listen to this for just a moment. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth about their giving. And he says in verse 6, Now this I say, that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And he says in verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. 
Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Paul knew what he's saying there and what he's saying here in this Philippians 4 and verse 17 is this. He's telling the church at Philippi, I am thankful. I am thankful for your gracious heart. And I'm thankful for the gracious history of your giving to me that he describes there in verse 15 and 16 where he reminded them again that the first preaching of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, when I left your area, and I traveled into Thessalonica and on beyond Thessalonica, and I went planting churches and proclaiming the gospel, you alone, in that little period of time, you alone of all the churches that I had planted and all the places where I had been, you alone were the only one who sent an offering for me in this matter of giving and receiving. And he's saying, I'm saying to you that I'm so thankful for your gracious heart and this history you have with me. But I'm not saying that so that you'll send more money to me. I'm saying that because I know when someone and when a church and when a person gives out of that heart and they have that kind of history, I know, as he says there over in verse 19, that my God will supply all of your needs according to the, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I know that this will be credited to your account. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus says we're supposed to be storing up treasure in heaven. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What things? Well, in that context, remember, he's talking about the necessities of your life. If you just will trust the Lord, seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, seek first the things of God, trust the Lord will provide. This is what Paul has learned. He's encouraging the church here at Philippi. As he says, thank you for your gift. I don't say thank you for your giving because I'm seeking something more from it, but I'm seeking it on behalf of you and what God does for you. But now let's look at one other thing. This is where I want to focus the most of our time this morning, and it's this. Paul was not trying to get more out of them because, as he says to them there, beginning in verse 11 down to verse 13, because he has learned to be satisfied in Christ. He has learned to be satisfied in Christ. That means when Epaphroditus showed up in Rome where Paul was. When he showed up there in Rome with the financial gift that had been sent to Paul 
from the church at Philippi, Paul is telling them there, when you read back through verses 11 through 13, he's saying, I want you to know I was already a content man. I was already satisfied. I was already, in some sense, self-sufficient. And remember where Paul was. Paul was under house arrest. Paul was spending every hour of his day chained to a Roman soldier. Paul was having to provide for his own lodging, for his own food. Yes, he was under house arrest by the Roman government, but in that day and time, again, the government did not pay for his lodging. The government did not pay for his food. Paul had to do that. Not only that, Paul is sitting there under house arrest, unable to go out and preach the gospel, and he has fellow preachers in the community doing things on purpose out of jealousy and envy towards him, trying to cause him distress. And yet Paul says, though I'm sitting here in prison, I am content. I am satisfied. When he makes the statement there that you read in verse 11, where he says, not that I speak from want. You could paraphrase that as though Paul was saying, don't misunderstand me. Yes, I am so thankful, as he says there in verse 10, I'm so thankful that you have revived your concern for me. I'm so thankful that you have done that and that I know that you have lacked opportunity, but don't get the impression that that means I was here being discontent. He wasn't. What Paul addresses with them is that no matter his circumstances, he knew how to live and to be content, to be satisfied. And clearly, this is a message, this is something that we all need to know. Notice how Paul describes it. He says, in whatever circumstances I am, in verse 11. And then he gives clarification to that in verse 12 where he says, I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. In anything and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having an abundance and suffering need. Paul says, in everything and in any way that comes towards me, whether I am abased or I'm abounding, whether I'm in poverty or I'm in prosperity in my life, whether I'm living in, in famine here and I'm famished or I am living like a fattened calf high on the hog, whatever I'm finding myself in, whatever the situation, whatever my circumstances, he says, I am content. I am content. Now what are some things that fight against us being content. Well, let me give you a few things. One, greed and coveting. 
when we have greed in our heart, when we're coveting after what someone else has, that brings discontentment. When we struggle with envy and jealousy, that brings discontentment. When we struggle with self-pity and complaining, that brings discontentment. Paul here was saying, I am content in the very place that I find myself at this part of my life, and I am content with the very possessions that I have at this point in my life. Now, that didn't mean Paul was an an ambitious man. He was. Remember, Paul was praying and hoping he would be delivered out of prison. So the fact that he was content didn't mean he was just settling. It didn't mean that he was an ambitious person. It just meant that if God didn't deliver him, he would still be content. He wanted to be delivered, but if he wasn't, he could still be content with however it is in the place that God would have him and the possessions that he would have at any point in time in his life. Beloved, this is a lesson that that we must know in the day and time in which we live. When you look at just the advertisement on television, the, the thrust of it is to teach us and to come at us and to say, you're not content. You're not content where you are. You're not content with what you have. The way they come at us is to say, this thing that really is a, just a want in your life is really a necessity. You need this to be happy. If you don't have this, then you're missing out. Not only that, in the political climate in which we live in today, it is really mostly based on the politics of discontentment. Where they are appealing, politicians are appealing to us of saying that you ought to be discontent with your life. You ought to be discontent with your situation. You ought to be discontent with your place, with your possessions, where you are in life. So this is definitely something that we need to know as Paul came to know. So how? How did Paul, as he says there in verse 12, how did he come to know how to get along in both circumstances? How did he come to know how to do that? Well, notice, if you will, in verse 11... At the end of verse 12, it was something that he learned. And that is key to recognize that. This is something that Paul learned. Please understand, contentment is not the way we are pre-programmed. We're not pre-programmed to be contented. It's not something that can just be like an injection into you. It's not as though God can just go give us appeal to... to to make us swallow that, to make us content. No, Paul says, I have learned how to be content. I've learned this. And now that's why he can say at the end there, in verse 13, 
when he says, I can do all things, he literally says there, I can prevail in all circumstances. I can prevail in all circumstances. Now, that verse, as we'll look at in just a moment, is a verse that is quite often taken out of context. I know that in times I can remember as a, as a kid growing up, I can remember having a poster on my wall of a, of a guy in a bat with a basketball there and, and with this, this verse saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But remember the context of this. He, he's talking about being content. I can be content in every circumstance. That, that's what he means by that. I can prevail and be content, be satisfied in every circumstance that I find myself. How? How did Paul learn this? Well, let's look at it. In verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret. And what he means by that is he said, I was initiated into this. That's how I learned it. I was initiated into this. And beloved, you will be initiated into beginning this process of learning how to be content by first and foremost coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. Because that is every person's greatest need on the face of the earth. It doesn't matter if it's the richest person in the world or it's the poorest person in the world or it's somebody in the middle class. It doesn't matter where someone finds themselves. Their greatest need in their life is to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And that's where you initially uh, you come into this learning about contentment because, as we're going to see, the contentment is in Christ. You are satisfied in Christ. It's when you meet Christ and you come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And your life is now in Christ. And you want to know Christ more. Remember what Paul said about his testimony in Philippians chapter 3? That coming to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord, he counted everything else in his life as nothing, as garbage to him. That what became the most important thing in his life was knowing Jesus Christ. Having a saving, living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. He just says, I just want to be found in Jesus. And now he knows, I'm found in Jesus. And I'm in Christ. And the righteousness of Christ has been credited to me. And not only that, Jesus paid for all my sins. I am forgiven. I am reconciled. I am made right with God. God declares me just before him, though I'm a wicked sinner, a chief of sinners, as Paul says. He says, but I am content because I'm found in Christ. And this is where it must start for all of us. This is where you will be initiated into this learning of contentment when you realize that your only hope is in Christ. When you put your faith in Christ. 
You trust Him as your Savior and as your Lord, as your only hope of redemption, as your only hope of eternal life. That's where you will find true contentment is in Him. I'm reminded of the rich young ruler who approached Jesus. Here's a man that is, he's a ruler. So this is a man who has position. This is a man who has power. This is a man who has possessions. He has wealth. He's a rich man. And yet there was something missing in his life. He was not content. He was still not content. And he came seeking the Lord Jesus Christ about it. And sadly, he walked away still discontent in his heart because when Jesus told him about the way of salvation, he didn't want it. He wouldn't abide by it. And he left saddened. Still with that emptiness in his life. Still knowing his heart was searching for contentment that he could have had in Christ. And beloved, you can have that this moment, this morning, this day if you'll put your faith in Christ. This is where it started with Paul. Coming to know Jesus as his Savior and as his Lord. But that's not where it stopped. He says, I have learned. So it's over a a process that you learn contentment. So Paul is telling us you learn contentment first by coming to Christ and secondly, by going through different and difficult circumstances in life. Through good times and bad times. Through the ups and the downs of life. You learn contentment. Just think about the life of Paul. He, he, He says, I learned this over my life and over my years. What are some things that that Paul has gone through? Well, I want you to look back with me for just a moment. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And in verse 9, where he's talking about himself and the other apostles, he says, For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death. Why? Why does Paul think that? Because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Verse 11, to this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed. We are roughly treated. We are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands. And when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world and the dregs of all things, even until now. This is what Paul went through. 
When he says, I have learned to be content, he had to learn it the hard way. He learned by going through these experiences of being hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, roughly treated, even at times being homeless. Being persecuted, reviled, slandered, being considered by the rest of the world is nothing better than the dirt that you would find on the bottom of your shoe. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for just a moment. In 2 Corinthians 11. Listen to some of the things Paul went through. We'll pick it up in verse 23. He says, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I have received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was threatened with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. This is how Paul learned contentment. Through going through nights without sleep. Through everywhere he went whether he was among his countrymen or the Gentiles, that, that covers everybody. Whether he was in the city or in the wilderness, whether he was on the sea or on dry land, wherever Paul went, what he found was danger. Danger, danger, danger. The things that he had gone through. And through this, Paul had learned to be content. You say, well, what exactly was it that Paul learned? Well, he learned these things. Number one, he learned the difference between what was necessary and what was not. He learned the difference between what was necessary in his life and what was a want in his life. He tells us that, if you look with me for just a moment, over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says this, beginning in verse 6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it either. So we cannot take anything out of it either. 
If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. With these, we shall be content. Paul said, look, I came into this world with nothing. I mean, I was born into this world, and when I came into this world, I didn't own a thing. And not only that, I didn't even have clothes on. I came into the world with nothing, and when I leave this world, I'm leaving it with nothing. And all I need for contentment then is just the necessity of food and the necessity of covering. And that covering can refer to to clothing or even just, just to shelter. I have enough. This is why it says over in the book of Hebrews, you don't need to turn there, but just listen to this very quickly. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 5, it says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And again, what is he saying? The writer of Hebrews is saying, I am content because I have Christ. I have Jesus Christ in my life and he has promised that he would never leave me, he would never forsake me, he would never walk away from me and he has promised that nothing I go through in life, no trial, no tribulation, no distress, no persecution, not even death will ever separate me from him. Not even death will ever separate me from his love for me. I am content because the Savior of the world loves me. And the Savior of the world has redeemed me. And He's accepted me. And He has received me to Himself. What else is there that I need? Because that and that alone is what you're going to take with you on the other side of death. Everything else you leave behind. But what you take with you is what you send ahead. And the treasures you store up there. So Paul learned the difference between what was necessary and what was not. But secondly, he learned, and listen carefully to this, that when distress and difficulty came to his life, it was for his spiritual good. He learned when difficulty and distress came to his life, it was for his spiritual good. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul here says, beginning in verse 7, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. The revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. And concerning this, that is concerning this thorn in the flesh that was just tormenting me, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, verse 10, I am well content with weaknesses. I am well content with insults. I am well content with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. Why? Why is Paul now saying, I am well content when things are coming at me like this because of what he says and what he's learned that God's grace is sufficient because he knows, as he says there, when I am weak, then I'm strong. That what God has taught me through this lesson, this trial of life, of this thorn in this flesh, this messenger of Satan that was constantly tormenting me. And God didn't take it away. And God just let it sit there in my life and stay there tormenting me day after day, week after week, month after month. And I asked him and I asked him and I asked him and he kept saying, no, I'm not going to take it away right now. I'm not going to take it away. Why, Lord, why? Because I want you to learn my grace is sufficient. Find your sufficiency, Paul, in me, in my grace, in just knowing me, loving me, trusting me, Paul. And then Paul learned it. And when he learned it, he said, look, I am well content. They want to come at me. This thorn in the flesh wants to come at me. I'm content. Because I know when I am weak that God is strong in my life. That it's causing me to depend on the strength of Christ. It's causing me to depend on the strength of of Christ. And is that not what Paul said back there in our passage in Philippians chapter 4? Look at it again. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul didn't learn self-sufficiency in himself. He learned sufficiency in Christ, in the strength of of Christ and what these distresses and these insults and these different experiences that he just went through in life, what it caused him to do is to stop relying on himself and relying on Christ, relying on the strength of Christ. It caused him to turn more to Christ. And may I say to you, beloved, that is where you will find this contentment that you come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord and that as you go through the different trials of life, whether it's the trial of abundance, that's a trial too, that's a test. And really, really for most of not all of us here, we all live a life of abundance. We're not living in poverty. We're not living where we just have the basic necessities for food and clothing and shelter. All of us here, we're having to learn, can I be content and satisfied with Christ alone when I have so much? Actually, that can be harder than having little. And Paul says, what God has taught me is that I have to find my contentment in Christ. 
And that through Christ and the strength of Christ, I can prevail in being content. And what that requires, beloved, is this. It requires communion with Christ. Can't you imagine back in that situation in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12 when he was being tormented by this messenger of Satan that that was driving Paul to get on his face in communion with his Savior, to pray to him, to read the scriptures, to spend time with him more in prayer, to spend time more with his Savior in the Word of God, to spend time with the Savior around the Lord's table, to spend time with the Savior, with His people, listening, preaching, teaching the Word of God. You want to grow stronger in the Lord so that you can have contentment? This is how Paul did it. This is what he learned. He learned that the source of this is his communion with Christ. And in that communion with Christ, it is the strength of Christ that allows him to win, to be content. What happens sometimes to us when we're going through tough times, tribulation, or even when we're going through really good times in our life. We can allow those times to pull us away from Christ. Pull us away from our communion with Christ. When we have more than what we need, we can begin to depend on those things for our contentment instead of our contentment in Christ. And when we're going through tough times and struggling in our life, can begin to pull away from Christ. But what Paul is teaching us is that you must turn to Christ, have communion with Christ, because it's through Him, it's through Him that you will prevail in being content, in being satisfied. So let me ask you this morning, have you been initiated Have you been initiated by coming to Christ? Putting your faith in Christ? Being initiated as the Apostle Paul was? Whereby he said everything else in his life that he had been looking to and depending on, he abandoned it. And said the most valuable, precious thing to me now in life is just knowing Jesus Christ, having a relationship with Christ, being saved by Jesus Christ. That's where some of you are this morning. I would plead with you. I would beg to you, come to Christ this morning. Put your faith in Christ. Abandon all. Surrender to Christ you will find that He is more than satisfying. You will find that He is all that you need. But for us as believers, are you allowing 
abundance to pull you away from Christ? Are you allowing trials and tribulations and difficulties to pull you away from Christ? Are you learning your contentment is in Christ? Your communion with Christ through His strength? Maybe that's where you need to go today in your time of reflection and response. You need to seek the Lord. Ask Him to help you to learn the differences about contentment. To learn the lesson that difficulties and tribulations and trials that come your way are for your good. And to learn how to embrace them in that regard. I want to ask you to bow your head in prayer for a moment.